What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Divi Crypto Podcast. And today, I am joined by Donnie Dinch, and he is the co-founder and CEO of Bitski. How's it going, Donnie? It's going well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, excited to dig into Bitski. But before we get into that, let's learn a little bit about you. What What's your background, and how'd you get into this space? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, first, uh, started out after school doing consumer product and package design, you know, things that were in the retail environment. And uh, had a lot of fun with that. Um, worked on a bunch of big brands like, you know, uh, T-Mobile, Microsoft, uh, Nintendo, all these different things. And I was living in Seattle and I started meeting people making the internet. thought that was really cool. And this is around 2009, uh, 2008, whenever the App Store came out for iOS, a lot of the same sort of consumer sensibilities that I'd implied to, you know, designing great consumer product packaging uh, started to carry over to like consumer software. Um, so I spent some time doing that. Eventually started a company called Will Call. Uh, it was like, a, you could think almost like a hotel tonight for going to see live music, um, whole social layer, which is really cool. Uh, that was acquired by Ticketfly in 2014, subsequently acquired by Pandora. And then uh, myself and the other co-founders decided to take another crack at it and started a labs company, built a few consumer software products during like 2016. And then January 2018 is when Bitsky started. And uh, yeah, I mean, I guess I can just kind of go right into how that how that worked too. Um, but basically, you know, I bought and sold a CryptoKitty. I thought it was a very cool thing. Um, it was the first sort of non-financial product that I'd seen built on blockchain. Uh, but I really like this idea that, you know, if nothing else, blockchain is this, you know, global source of truth of who owns what and what that stuff can do. And, uh, you know, the, the example of the CryptoKitties, you know, happened to be at the same time that I was probably spending like two, $300 a month on like banana outfits on Fortnite and I couldn't sell any of them and that felt criminal. And so uh, we just saw this huge opportunity in the space and a huge opportunity for NFTs and, you know, looked and said, hey, we're very early. What are the, what are the you know, the foundational bits that need to exist? And that kind of uh, set us on our, on our path. Nice. Yeah, it's incredible how many founders uh, got their start from CryptoKitties. Like there is... Easily, you know, 20 or 30 founders that I know personally that have started up NFT focused companies all because of that initial experience with CryptoKitties, that aha moment. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of it had to do with like, just to be quite honest, like, you know, I was, you know, just like everyone buying Bitcoin in 2013. And then, you know, in the, in the, in the ICO wave of 2017, you know, putting markers on random tokens, but I had no idea what the hell was going on with any of this stuff. And so I think for people that, you know, weren't deep in, 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 in like from an engineering perspective or from a fin finance perspective that didn't really, it was really hard to get a good, like concrete mental model for how to think about blockchain. And uh, yeah, CryptoKitties really opened it up for us. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. It was like the first kind of opening of functionality for a wallet that was different than just money transfer and just value transfer like that with uh, you know money attached to it. So I, I really enjoyed that that mind-opening experience as well of CryptoKitties. And remember how it bogged down the entire network? Like it literally, <laughs> there's so many kitties going out that it just shut down Ethereum essentially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. I, um, at the time, I didn't even know why. Like, I didn't understand what was going on with Ethereum. I was just like, oh, like maybe, you know, 
the only time you'd ever seen software or something go down is like with mega scale. So I'm like, oh my God, how many hundreds of millions of people are doing this? Yeah, that wasn't the case. <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's, uh, let's unpack Bitsky a little bit. How did it start? And, you know, what's, what's the core mission of the, the whole kind of concept? Yeah, I mean, you know, I alluded to it a little bit earlier, but really it just kind of came out of this very simple, like primitive use case that seemed like, uh, you know, blockchain and NFTs could, could address. And I think the way that um, ultimately we really think about it is that at a very, very simple level, blockchain and digital ownership uh, will fundamentally change the design space of how we build software, whether that's consumer products, whether that's game finance products. And uh, a lot of the, a lot of the, you know, benefits of that to an individual, to a user, like, you know, if we're talking, you know, 100 million, a billion people um, are pretty simple, you know, it's not, you know, it's, it's not so much like if you ask a kid today, uh, you know, do you want an NFT? They might say no. But if you ask them like, hey, do you want to be able to sell your Fortnite skin? They say yes. And so for us, it's always been really focusing on, you know, these outcomes and how can we, how can we, uh, you know, create, how can we abstract the complexity of blockchain and cryptocurrencies to, uh, to, you know, to, to really make this a, a mass adoption type idea? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you you kind of initially started with it with an NFT wallet, and then you created a couple tools. Is that kind of how how you're approaching it? Yeah, so basically, um, it was really first principles approach. Like, um, you know, this again, this is the beginning of 2018, and uh, we'd seen obviously MetaMask was around, and uh, I believe the Cipher wallet that was eventually acquired by Coinbase was around, and so. Uh, there was a mobile wallet, there was a browser extension, and basically anything that you wanted to do that interacted with, you know, blockchain or dApps had to happen in, in those two situations. We were like early on very excited about, about games and we knew that, you know, people who are building, whether it's a game, whether it's an iOS app or, you know, Android app, people don't want to change where they're building. Uh, they don't want to change the environment that they're working in. So how can we like build a wallet that can be accessible they can be t- you can take anywhere with you uh, versus having to bring everything to your wallet. And uh, so, okay, we're like, okay, let's, instead of like, you know, most wallets today are kind of like running your own email server. What if we created a wallet service uh, like Gmail? Um, and that's effectively what we did. We created a single sign-on OAuth compliant wallet that you can connect to a number of different products. Uh, it's, you know, fully support, full Ethereum wallet, um, supports uh, multiple L2s uh, and, uh but and you don't have to really worry about private key management. And I think that's probably one of the uh, the more controversial moves that we made early on, in that we think that you know self custody is is wonderful and something that everyone should always have the option for, but shouldn't be a requisite for participating in the space. And so we've done a lot of work on our own wallet infrastructure to uh, provide a safe, secure, hardware backed um, experience uh, for a lot of people. And that's kind of the first thing. Like if you if you um, you know, this use case that we were talking about uh, of using a, you know, selling a, a video game asset. Like if, you, if you're going to own something, you're going to need a place to put it. So, okay, first step was a wallet. And then, you know, if you're the, let's say you're the, you're the game or the product, you're going to need a way to create and distribute NFTs. So let's build some APIs and services that are adjacent to the wallet to help people kind of onboard. Because the reality is we're still, even today, like even in 2022 summer, we're still very early in the infrastructure space on, you know, allowing people to build scalable products that integrate uh, blockchain. And so 
Um, we couldn't just build a wallet in a vacuum. We needed to help kind of continue to move the industry forward. And so um, when you look at sort of the custom storefronts that we eventually started building, where it allows you to create and sell NFTs, just a bank account, people can buy those with a credit card. Um, we have this a new feature called Drop Links, where you can distribute you know, uh, NFTs to people via just a link without even knowing their wallet address in advance. And um, it's, all these, it's all these things that we want to do to help push the space forward, uh, just based on the timing and where we are. Got it. Very cool. Yeah, I think the user experience uh, is a bit of a meme just in the space in general of how brutal it is, uh, you know, with MetaMask, private keys, all that, all that kind of uh, crazy, crazy bad user experiences all the way down to the long addresses and things like that. So it's great to hear that you guys are focused on, you know, just getting into the hands of the average, the average person that just wants it to work. Um, I think that's such a, uh, it used to be controversial. I feel like it's becoming more, um, more accepted that just having something that works <laughs> is the goal. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, I think you have to, you know, I, I gave a talk about this a couple of years ago that, you know, you have to pick a priority and like, if your priority is, you know, you know, full self-custody or, uh, you know, full independence and where you have you know, it's completely trustless, that's fine. But if you're, if your priority is building a, a, you know, a product that people want to use daily, like don't let, you know, sort of dogmatic tendencies get in the way of that. And yeah, it was contra. I mean, we were, we were on a life raft through like DeFi summer. We just, we wouldn't capitulate to like self-custody only. Um, all that said though, I will say um, by the time I guess this goes live, uh, our iOS wallet will have launched. And up until the launch of this wallet, uh, every Bitsky account has a one-to-one uh, mapping to like their Bitsky wallet that is stored in sort of our uh, hardware vault. We uh, are going to allow people to start importing self-custody wallets uh, in addition to the Bitsky uh, hosted vault. Uh, and that will allow people to have the opportunity to go a little bit off their, the deep end to, if they decide to go deeper into crypto, um, you know, they have a path to doing that. I think there's a there's a there's a big opportunity to build a very consumer friendly uh, wallet experience that that allows people to eventually get to all the complexity or a lot of the complexity that people that are endemic to the space now are able to use, uh, but it kind of guides them. And so that's that's really where we see an opportunity um, moving forward with sort of like you know th- how how we get people to become more educated in the space. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I actually really really enjoy that because the way that I get people into the space is through Coinbase. I say, sign up for Coinbase and start learning from there about self-custody because that is like the spectrum in which you can get comfortable with the the core kind of mission of sovereignty and, and the space of how it started. But first, start with a good user experience and don't worry about the, the self-custody aspect yet and work yourself towards the, the self-custody component. And I think that's cool that you guys have sort of uh, vertically done that within your app already so that they can get comfortable at first. They can kind of start to learn and tinker with the self-custody aspect um, and move towards that. I think that's, that's how things really need to work in this space, I feel like, because not everybody is just going to immediately go research 50 articles about the importance of private key, you know, (laughs) where to store it, how to store it, proper storage, all of that. And I think it's, it's a good, a good tactic to ease people into it. Yep. That, that's right. And I, I think just to, you know, add a little bit to that is that what's really interesting is there's a sweet spot where, 
I think folks are, are, are keen to have self-custody. Um, but at relatively low value uh, wallets and, you know, extremely high value wallets, most people don't want to have that responsibility. And so um, it's really interesting to kind of, you know, segment the market and figure out how things are going. My personal assumption is that um, the same amount of people with self-custody wallets in 10 years from now uh, will probably be, ref- you know, a reflection of maybe the same amount of people that still run their own email server. Um, I, I, maybe it'll be a little bit higher because I think that there's, you know, a little bit more value associated with it. But I think um, we'll see enough services come about where people don't want the stress of, you know, the reality is even things like MetaMask with all the dependencies you have in a browser and like having, you know, keys in, in, encrypted in software, it's all, it's just... We, we have these, you know, this idea of sovereignty, but the reality is we're still sort of at the, at the behest of the code that the browser's running and things. And so um, it's a it's a tricky thing. Uh, I think obviously Ledger is a great product and I think everyone should eventually have a Ledger, um, put your most prized possessions. But, um, you know, when you're getting into like, you know, yacht money, you definitely don't want to have that in a like fireproof safe. Yeah, yeah. And th- there's actually a fantastic... Uh, video that was made, I think it was in 2018 from Mainframe. And the now CEO, I think he was just a, a new engineer there when they made the video. But it was like kind of poking fun at the user experience in the early days. And everybody that's listening to this should definitely check it out. Um, because it it was an ad that basically was a guy who was in the desert and he needed something to drink and there's a lemonade stand. And the guy's like, "Hey, welcome to Lemonade Coin. You have to you have to purchase this lemonade in right. Lemonade Coin, and you have to get it. Um, but first, download this wallet. Then go to that exchange, and the, then this guy like pops up with a big like uh, fox skinned um, like sweater, and he's Russian, and he's like, "Oh, sign up for the exchange. <laughs> Give me all your information." And it's just such a good poking fun of the quote unquote sovereignty that we were talking about. Um, and how the process is just so not like that uh, when you're purchasing and getting onboarded in all these different ways. So it's uh, I, I immediately thought of that when you were just talking about how it's not what you think it is but when we think about sovereignty right out of the gate um, with this, with these types of pieces of software. Yep, that's that's definitely right. And I guess one thing to add in case there's going to be any confusion for us is that we actually don't take custody of the assets. If you think of sort of a traditional custodian and the way they might secure things in, in, in hardware security modules, it's generally pools of assets. Um, Bitsky's architecture is much more like four billion lockboxes. And so we don't have the, like, you know, the, the system is architected in a way that we don't have the privilege to sign on behalf of any user or to manage their assets at all. We just make sure that those keys stay safe. Um, which we think is is a is, is a good model going forward, and certainly requisite if you're going to have NFTs. That it's important to have that non fungible, you know, specific token perpetual or you know persistently associated with your wallet. Mm-hmm. For sure. So let's dig into the the team a little bit. How big of a team is it? And you know, you mentioned the iOS app, but what stage are you guys at currently? Is it, is it pre launch? And and what can you tell us there? Yeah. Um, so right now we're about forty people. Um, we have. Uh, you know, the iOS, the iOS wallet uh, will be, it's actually in the store today, um, quietly, and we'll probably start doing our like uh, PR rollout. Uh, we might do something at NFT NYC next week, but uh, if not, we'll definitely be starting this off in July. 
So, um, so that we're super excited about, we put a lot of time into, we put a, uh, you know, there's, it's going to be the first wallet that sends you push notifications when you receive NFTs. It's going to be the first wallet to support OpenSea activity notifications. Um, there's just a lot of things that we've done on the back end. Kind of what I was alluding to earlier, you know, the, 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 the infrastructure for building great consumer products in Web3 is still, still lacking. And so things that would take you, you know, 45 minutes and paying, you know, $12.99 a month to some SaaS product or some developer tool in Web2 just don't exist. And it takes three months and you have to kind of roll your own. Um, indexing is one of those things. So uh, we spent a lot of effort to make this a really strong and simple experience. Uh, so if you know nothing about blockchain or cryptocurrencies and you install this because, you know, some game, uh, gave you an NFT or something, whatever the reason, you you don't have to be uh, an expert to, to to start to participate. So we're, we're quite excited about it. Very cool, very cool. And I have to ask, you know, you guys closed a round uh, of Series A round, and you had Jay Z and Andreessen and things like that on board. Uh, I <laughs> I have to ask, what was it like with you know raising a round like that from somebody like Jay Z and some of these these bigger uh, funds. Yeah. I mean, listen, it, it, again, I, I started, start, we started this one in 2018 and, uh, 2019, 2020, nobody was asking us about NFTs. Um, mm-hmm. so, you know, to have that, you know, have that series a last summer, have it come, uh, in the way that it did was certainly a, a 180 from our previous experience, but, uh, it was a rush. I mean, there was a lot of, it was about two weeks of just nonstop calls and, uh, you know, meeting people. I mean, the the whole NFT space in that last summer kind of just felt like Illuminati level type things that were happening. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, just so many, like the people emailing, like you would think otherwise it was spam or phishing and it was actually the, like these real people. Um, But uh, it was, it was great. I mean, listen, I think there's a lot of, a lot of folks that have, you know, made their, you know, made their mark in society in other ways and have now really taken akin to, uh, technology and investments and really trying to, you know, shift the perspective of, you know, how, how everyone kind of sees where their value is. And so, um, yeah, there was a, there was a quite a few people from either entertainment or sports that they got involved. It were honestly just really excited about the opportunity that this stuff provides. And so, uh, thankful for that. Thankful for, you know, Andreessen's a wonderful, um, wonderful lead investor, uh, great board members. I mean, we just, we really enjoy working with them. Nice. Very cool. And as somebody that's been in the space for you know quite some time, you've seen a lot come and go. I always like to ask, you know, outside of what you're building at Bitski, what is it that you check your phone for right when you get up uh, in the morning when you're looking at this space that gets you extremely hyped about it? And one of the things that you're looking forward to around just this space in general. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I think that you know we've had. You know, we've had people now are familiar with at least you know NFTs and the, the way that these things exist, but they've really only seen one implementation of the you know of the medium um, is you know high value JPEGs. And what I'm most excited about, and maybe is is wrong truth to this to this call, is you know, gaming. I think it's going to be heavily impacted. And every day, I'm constantly uh, checking to see you know, which new game developers or studios have either announced funding or um, have announced a project that they're, that they're going to be building. Um, I think that's the, I think that's the most exciting thing right now is, uh, you know, we're starting to see traditional game studio or, you know, leadership from traditional game studios and publishers come to build web three games. And, you know, 
that's these L2, you know, these L2s that are becoming more performant, um, some you know more performant L1s. And so a lot of the stuff that we were excited about in 2018 is starting to matriculate now. And so that's when I, that's the stuff that gets, like when I see like, for example, Dr. Disrespect, you know, starting a game that's going to, you know, leverage NFTs and, in, in, you know, asset ownership and providing players with liquidity and the potential for value accrual. That's like, that gets me hyped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. The people that are just sort of, constructing this space in general are always really exciting seeing bigger and bigger people uh, come in. So those are all the questions uh, that I have for you. Where can people go and learn more about Bitski? Yeah, absolutely. You can go to bitski.com, B-I-T-S-K-I.com. Um, you can you can find us in the app store by the time this is live. And uh, if you have any questions, just hit me on Twitter at Donnie. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on and sharing everything that is Bitsky, Donnie. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 